if you're showing signs of burnout, irritable at your employees or your spouse or your kids, you have to learn how to lower your stress. You have to prioritize it. We have to, our brain works in two ways. We've got the focus mode and the diffuse mode, right? The focus mode is the stress zone. It's where we're focused on like solving a problem in our business, putting out the dumpster fire, um, whatever that may be for you. Then we have the diffuse mode, which is the creative mode. If you stay in the focus mode all the time where you're, you're like, okay, it's time to relax on vacation. Well, let me just check. Let me just uh, check the emails to make sure. Okay. Any fires I need to put out. If you stay in that all the time, that's going to affect your long-term health. What's up, my friend, and welcome to the Dan Go Show. I'm your host, Dan Go, coach to high-performing entrepreneurs and professionals. And what we do at the Dan Go Show is tease out the best practices of the highest-performing entrepreneurs in the world while sharing cutting-edge, evidence-based information to help you become healthier and wealthier. So if that's what you're into, you're in the right place. Click that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so every time one of my episodes goes live, you'll be the first to know. In today's podcast, I interview Ted Rice. Ted is a high-performance coach who has worked with celebrities such as Sir Richard Branson, Robert Downey Jr., Ricky Martin, and a dozen of CEOs of multi-million dollar companies. And uh, this one was very enjoyable for me because Ted and I, we both work uh, with the almost like the same client. We work with the high-achieving entrepreneurs. This was a chance for myself uh, to rap about kind of like the little nuances and idiosyncrasies that we find with working with this group, with this very special group of people in regards to their health and fitness. So, you know, we get into the weeds of, you know, what happens when, you know, we start to help clients, uh, what Ted does specifically when it comes to training, when it comes to dieting, he does touch upon a a couple of uh, things such as protein sparing, modified fasting, which is kind of like a cool concept. It sounds a little bit more complicated than it is, but it is a really cool way for, especially for someone to uh, get results really, really fast. Uh, and, And then we also get into a little bit of an emotional, uh, moment inside of this interview where we talk about uh the fact of death and how it has changed his life and uh you know i'll leave it for the podcast itself but it was a it was really a poignant moment and i and i really hope that you stay all the way to the end and watch that because there's a huge message at the end uh for anyone that is putting off their health and fitness and um you know if you are uh coming back to this podcast please do me a favor, please uh, subscribe to the podcast and also uh, leave a five-star review. Would really appreciate it. And that's about it. That's all I have to ask. So without further ado, here's my interview with Ted Rice. What's up, Ted? Good to see you, my friend. Uh, we were just having a conversation right now. Um, you're currently vagabonding, you know, across the world. Uh I don't. I, I don't say vagabonding in the in the negative term. I say it very much in the in the discovering the world type of term. Now, uh, nomading, vagabonding, sure. Nomading, yes, nomading. That's that's probably a better you know PC or not PC, better connotation to it. Now you know you're, right now you're in uh, Brazil. You've been here for a couple months. 
Uh, you're moving to Lisbon. Now, we touched upon kind of like this idea that uh, you don't necessarily want to go back to the States. So why do you feel that is? Yeah, the States, I, first of all, let me say, I love America. I love being American. And I'm so grateful that I grew up there because my mindset is very much American. And man, once you start traveling, you realize, although some people have problems with Americans, for the most part, it's like, oh, you're American? Come on into our country. It's like no problem. Um, So, but my issue is, it's a really unhealthy environment. Hmm. And as you and I know, as coaches, it's probably the number one reason why there's such an obesity. Like, I can't talk about Canada. I've been there four times. A beautiful place, but I live in the States the majority of my life. And it's just an unhealthy place, physically unhealthy. Mm. And one of the fastest ways, although it's just not such a practical tip, but one of the fastest ways to change your, your health is to change your environment. And that can be done at a micro scale, as you know, but it can also be done in a more macro way. Like, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to go live in another country. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the and States also- struggling. It is like from a health perspective, both physically and mentally, it's, uh, it's, it's staggering the amounts of obesity and, uh, the amounts of depression that happened in, in the West. And it almost becomes like normalized, uh, to actually is becoming normalized to a very large degree. When we, when you and I know, um, there are very big precursors to the reasons why this is in the first place. It is what it is. If you're going to be in the States and you want to be healthy, you can definitely do it. But the city you live in matters. The friends you hang out with matter. And this doesn't, and it doesn't matter how much money you're making. All your rich friends, if they're going to Prime 112 in Miami Beach and ordering the, the giant steak, the giant ribeye and washing it down with a bottle of Petrus 2003. It's like, (laughs) it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, right now, like you've, how many countries have you been in the past, like two or three years? And you've actually done this like during COVID, which is, which is kind of like what our family has done as well. But like, how many countries have you been? What kind of like pushed you to, to living this independent location lifestyle? Yeah. The story was back in 2018, I was a personal trainer in Miami Beach working with entrepreneurs there for you know the past 20 years, worked with some celebrities like Robert Downey Jr., Ricky Martin, um, trained Richard Branson one time. But the reality was I wasn't happy with my life. I wanted to do something online. And personal training was cool, but it wasn't, as you know, Dan, you, you owned a gym, you were a personal yeah. trainer as well. Yeah. You're, you're helping people for that hour, but it's really all the hours they're not in the gym that matter most. And uh, I, I wanted a big change in my life because of the whole personal training thing. I mean, I couldn't imagine you owning a gym, like how you, how you would take time for a vacation, but I, I wasn't able to figure it out. I felt guilty leaving. My clients would all want to work out except when they were on vacation, of course, which happened during the summer, they were all in Europe. And so I just wasn't happy with my business situation and I wanted to do more and I wanted to make a bigger impact in people's lives. So in 2018, I I moved to Thailand. Uh, We 
me and my ex-wife, we, we lived in Thailand for, um, wow. You know, we lived in Southeast Asia for two years and that was Bangkok, Phuket, Chiang Mai, Hong Kong, Bali, Malaysia. Um, yeah, Vietnam, Cambodia, wow. I actually didn't live in Cambodia, uh, but visited there and I'm probably forgetting a place or two. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize you, you've actually been around that much. And, uh, I feel you on the, on the aspect of like turning from a personal trainer to, uh, going into being an online trainer. Now, a lot of people would kind of like look at this as being like, okay, so how are you supposed to get people in shape online? You know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are like, I need that one-on-one. -on -one. I need to be kind of like, you know, there with the person physically. And, uh, I, I'm pretty sure you've experienced this as well, but I've gotten way better results with my clients way training online rather than personal training. And here's, here's the way I see it. Um, number one, I think that personal training is good to a degree because, people need to know the proper form. They need to know how to, you know, activate the muscles. They need uh, kind of like that kinesthetic touch a little bit, at least in the very beginning. But after that, it just becomes counting your reps, right? It just mm -hmm. becomes someone there being like, what to babysitting and being, and being the person to converse with them while they're having the workout, as opposed to what I, what we do online. Um, I, I actually find that it's more accountability because what happens as a result is, is that you and I are able to be able to text our clients, be able to stay on top of them. We actually have a dashboard of like what's happening with our clients' lives. And then this and everything encompassing, you know, past a certain point, people don't need someone to count the reps. Uh, people actually need someone to be there to, uh, to keep them accountable and also to make sure that they are keeping track of their numbers and knowing where they're going and having them or giving them the opportunity to at least like zoom out as well. Have you, have you kind of like found the same experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. I get way better results and it's for the reasons you mentioned, we know what drives results and that's behavior change. You have mm. to change your behavior. And when you're always reliant on a personal trainer a couple times a week, I mean, if I thought personal training was the best way to do things, I'd be doing it. I yeah. did it for 20 years like 19 or 20 years, something like that. I've been in the Two business decades, like 23 man. years. Yeah. yeah, man. And it just, some of my clients would get great results. Some wouldn't. And the ones who got the best results, it wasn't from the training. It was from the lifestyle changes that they made outside the gym, yeah. the lifting weights and all the things that you mentioned, the proper technique and learning how to activate the muscles and having that influence of a person who lives a, a healthy lifestyle, even though I would, you know, in my Miami beach days, I, I was out in the club, trained yeah, restaurateurs and club owners. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as healthy as they thought, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, it helps. But what we do or what I feel we do online is we make the person accountable to themselves. We help them start to craft, uh, a way of living, a way of eating, that leads to permanent change. And, and you and I know the secret here is not like, oh yeah, I meet with my trainer three times a week. It's like, no, you're going to have to fundamentally change as a person. You have to change your identity. You can't mm -hmm. be the fat business owner who does a couple quick things to manage your health. That That's okay if that's where you're at. It doesn't lead to that 
big change though, the big change that probably you and I know I get so excited about when a client changes their body, they're like, whoa, this was easier than I thought. Hmm. I'm sleeping better than I ever have. I'm having more fun in my business because I'm not, I'm not always choosing my business over taking care of myself anymore. And I'm actually making more money. Yeah. All my clients do better. Yes. And I know your clients do as well. I've, I've seen your testimonials online. You talk about it a lot. Yeah. Why is that? Because when we're in the zone in life, we do better with everything, our relationships, our business. And when we're not, when we're overweight, when we have the habits more specifically that lead to us being overweight, we're not in the zone. Yeah. You know, we can get by, but it's not, it's not performing at a high level. Yeah, I feel like uh, people... You know, people will actually uh, use examples of people who are, say, like out of shape and be like, look at this guy. He's successful. Well, I mean, I think he'd be more successful if he wasn't trying to set up an obstacle with his own body. And, you know, what what happens when you have more energy? What happens when you have more confidence? What happens when your health is aligned? Uh, And I was talking about this as well. It's like uh, on Twitter just the other day, uh, people don't understand the ramifications of having too much belly fat or adipose tissue and it's uh, effect on the brain right yeah, actually one huge. of the things that uh, I, I was uh, I found out is that you wanted to be a neuroscientist before mm-hmm. right so so you actually became a little bit of a neuroscientist or, or I'd say you're helping people's brains but just in a very somewhat of a different way right now right you know by getting them in shape by by changing their habits and whatnot and when I think about like the things that you say, it's, uh, it is about the change. And one of the things that I do feel like we help clients do is like make them aware to the reasons why they do what they do. Right. Uh, why do they, why do they eat in a certain way? Why are they drinking alcohol at the end of the day? And why do they have to get themselves buzzed at the end of the day? What are they trying to escape? What are they trying to numb? And, uh, and I don't necessarily think that every single, uh, conversation you have with a client is going to be like, you know, sitting on the psychologist chair, but you have to make them aware to these things. If you want sustainable change, if you want them to change their identities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, when we look at like, why, cause that, that, that's the big secret, right? I, I wanted to become a neuroscientist. It was actually kind of a weird story. I used to party, do a lot of drugs, a lot of psychedelic drugs, became fascinated by it. And wanted to go into neuroscience and like MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. I was I was reading their like their physical uh, publication that they they put out. How long out. ago was that? That was nineteen. So I'm forty five years. Uh, you were like years at the forefront now. right there. My gosh. Sort of. Yeah. Wow. I mean, we knew a, a, a lot more now, and I haven't. I, I don't read too much about that although like you i've had my own experiences in my adult life with psychedelics that were quite transformative but uh man this is everyone wants to know about like what's the best diet what's the best rep range what are the best exercises what are the superfoods i need to eat and certainly the focus on that is important but it's really like how do i change my behavior Hmm. when i don't how do i when I want to go out and reward myself at 5 p.m. after I've been working hard all day and 
go see my friends and go to the steakhouse and spend a thousand dollars on one, you know, a nice bottle of wine. How do I stop myself from doing it to the point where it negatively affects my health? Because it's okay to do, but when it's done consistently, we see the results of those behaviors in your body and also your energy and everything else that it affects. Mm. And it's like, how do you change that? And um, like what you brought up, why are you using food and alcohol to reward yourself? Is it rewarding or are you medicating something? Is there something else in your life that you need to change? And um, I think one of the things that we don't talk about is that a lot of, and this is something I learned from working, I learned this back when I was a personal trainer working with people in Miami Beach, very wealthy people, very high net worth people, uh, at least by the majority of people's standards, right? Um, A lot of those people are in their comfort zone. Hmm. They're stuck in their comfort zone. I make a lot of money, I go out to dinner, I eat. I go on vacation, I, I go out to dinner, I eat and drink wine. And it's like, okay, well, when's the last time you challenged yourself with doing something new? When's the last time you did something really exciting, jumped out of a plane, did scuba diving, I don't know, climbed a mountain, whatever it is that you feel like you really want to do in your life, but you just, because no, you, nobody's pushing you, you don't, your parents don't get on you anymore. So you're, you're at the top of the food chain in your life. So nobody's pushing you to do something. Um, you know, what, what are those things? That's what I get excited about. Yeah. And, uh, a couple of things stand out to me right there, which is like the idea of discomfort. And one thing I want to say is thank you for, uh, introducing me to Sterling Hawkins from hunting discomfort, uh, the author of hunting discomfort. We had a great podcast with each other and we actually had a conversation about this before where making money for a lot of people being successful and doing what they do is very comfortable. It's something that uh, they do every single day. And this is actually the cause of why a lot of people are workaholics is because that they're do- they're basically living in this like zone of comfort uh, because work is that comfort is like that little blanket for them. And you said like, you know, jumping out of uh, planes and doing all this stuff. And, and I would also relate it to, okay, so what are the simple things that actually make you uncomfortable? So maybe changing your body, right? Getting your body in shape. Does that make you uncomfortable? Then you should go and fucking do it, right? Uh, Having a better relationship with your children, with your kids, spending time. Does that make you uncomfortable? You should go and fucking do that. And and a lot of people, when they think about like discomfort, they're like, okay, well, I got to do these like grand grandiose uh, things in my life when the reality is is that there are some things that we are avoiding as a result of living in our comfort zone that are crucial to living an incredible life and the second thing i got from what you said was we're not at home anymore we're not having someone knock on our doors at 7 a.m in the morning being like yo ted you gotta get the fuck up okay you gotta get to school or whatever it is like we are in the process of actually being our own parents and we got to reparent ourselves. And this means, yeah, it's like, it means like, okay, well, your parents usually tell you, you got to eat your vegetables. You got to do this and that. Well, 
Now we got to do that to ourselves. And a lot of people haven't necessarily matured and grown up past that point or even, even to that point right now. They're still living like kids inside of their own bodies when it comes to like their health, when it comes to uh, the things that uh, the pleasures that they seek outside of life. Now, why do you think, uh, you know, we talked about discomfort, but why else do you think that entrepreneurs say fall prey to the idea that uh, they have to get their bodies out of shape in order to get more success inside of their business? That's a great question. And what I, I can only talk about what my clients that I've worked with, For although sure. I, I've done a little bit of that. And I think um, I've done a little bit of it, but I've, I've mostly taken care of myself. When I sh- put up photos, my fat photos, everybody's like, hey, man, you look great. I would love to look like <laughs> yeah. you. So, so I don't get a lot of respect when it comes to showing like my before <laughs> photo and how out of shape I was. Yeah. Um, but from what I've seen, it it's part of it. I think the majority of it is environmental. It's environmental in that it's the culture, right? We all like, if yeah. you and I are hanging out, what are we talking about? We're talking about training. We're talking about business. And if we hang out in person, hopefully that'll happen one day. Where oh, are we yeah. going to go out to eat? Are we going to go get smashed and uh, eat a bunch of fried food? No, we're going to get a workout. Have some steak. We're going to work out, have some steak with some garlic. I've seen, I've seen your favorite <laughs> meal yeah. posted. I'm becoming you know, a meat right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so those are the types of people I hang out with. And if, when I look at my clients who are part of like YPO or EO or, you know, those type of typical entrepreneur organization organizations, what are they doing? They're going out to eat, they're drinking. So we got to see it's part of the culture. It's partly also like how we grew up. Mm-hmm. Most of us at a more fundamental level, most of us either grew up where health just wasn't a thing. Like, like you and I talk about a lot. You brush your teeth, your parents are like, brush your teeth, but I don't want to brush my teeth. It's like, <laughs> okay, you're going to brush them anyway. Yeah. And you do that enough. And now that you're an adult, you're, you feel bad if you don't brush your teeth, Yeah, right? It's part of your identity. And so we didn't grow up or most of our clients didn't grow up with their parents helping, uh, helping them make those healthy choices and take care of them to take care of themselves. So like, there's that as well. And so you got the culture working against you. You got that. You also have, uh, I just had a conversation with a doctor client and he's like, man, I hate to kind of say this because it sounds a little, but you know, it's like modern medicine is really driven by the pharmaceutical industry. And I know you've talked about it a lot. I, I don't think there's any other, I don't think there's a big conspiracy other than it's just, man, it's business. If I got something, I sell coaching. I try to put up, I try to sell as much of it as possible, right? I try to promote it as much as possible. And I do things to get better results. So clients or potential clients come back to me if they want to work with me again, or, you know, and when you look at the business model, it's like you have it working against you. So, so the food industry, what are they doing? They're trying to they're, they're putting advertising in front of you so that you fall prey to that. So you start thinking about it 
And there's studies showing that advertising works. It works for, on you as an adult. It works on your children too. And, um, you know, so, so there's all these things. Um, and we're nowhere near like the, the public health changes that are going to happen eventually. Let's say, let's say that someone really steps up as a leader in the U S and Canada and says, okay, we're going to do, we're going to make these changes. We're going to restrict advertising to children, you know, trying to get the celebrity endorsements from their favorite cartoon and putting the cereal boxes at eye level. So <laughs> they're, the kids are nagging their parents. Like <laughs> we're going to change all that, but that ain't happening anytime soon. Yeah. So yeah. the only way uh, to, to, Add one more thing. The only way to fight against that, and this comes from a lot of research, is through some type of intervention, coaching, if you will, with a good coach. It's probably a lot of bad ones out there because everybody's kind of doing it. But like coaching, and this even comes from, from research. I mean, there's several different trials showing where people had interventions and were taught certain things and held accountable, like here's your body fat right? Uh, here's, here it is in three months. Here it is in six months. When you know those numbers and you track those things, it's like, that's the thing that leads to the longest lasting results. But I mean, who hires coaches? It's a weird thing to do. It's and weird meaning, you know, I, we're both coaches, but it's, it's not normalized yet. It's becoming more normal, especially on Twitter, but it's, it's not, um, it's not normal. What's normal? Go on a strict diet do keto, do, you know, whatever, go, go do some brand name workout method instead of saying, okay, well, what are the best principles for fat loss and for building muscle? What does my lifestyle look like? How do I merge the two into a program that is just for me that I can stick with for the rest of my life? Yeah. So uh, and, that, and that's a long answer, but those are the things that come up. Yeah. I, I look at it a little bit like, okay, so would you be your own lawyer, right? Would you, mm -hmm. <laughs> would you actually like go through the process of doing everything and learning how to be your own lawyer and going through the nuance of every single thing that you have to learn from the law of like setting up your company to all this? It's like, no, we, we pay a lawyer to do that. Uh, would you learn uh would you be your own uh dentist uh would you be your own accountant for that matter would you do your own taxes uh would you uh, be your own auto mechanic if you need to actually get something changed inside your car are you going to go and change the oil yourself or are you going to go and like you know give your car a tune-up whatever it is no you're going to go to the auto mechanic and i do believe that there's this disconnect where people try to be their own professionals in regards to this, and I'm not saying that people cannot get their bodies in shape themselves, but what I am saying is that a good portion, if not most people, need a professional, at least to show them the ropes, at least to push them in the right direction, at least to uh, attune themselves to what works for them and to hold them accountable to that. Uh, people need a people need professional help. And then something that I realized with uh, a lot of my clients is that a lot of them say, I wish I invested in doing something like this earlier because I would have saved so much time, so much money, so much energy. Uh, it, you know, like, let's just say like, you know, someone goes and does the keto diet, they lose like 20, 30 pounds. 
Then they start eating carbs again. The 20, 30 pounds comes back. They just wasted uh, about whatever it is, 12 to 16 weeks of their, of their time. And also what they did was they actually, you know, the process of losing weight and putting it back on is a deleterious process. It's, it's not just something like the body doesn't like right? The body doesn't like to lose weight. The body doesn't like to put it back on. So I feel like uh, you can nip this in the bud by actually getting professional help by getting accountability around the, this area of your life. Now, I feel like we're preaching to the choir right now. You and I are kind of like, just like, ah, like, <laughs> dude, so simple, man. Yeah, come on, dude. But then obviously, there's like so much nuance, because we've been in this industry for over two decades. Now, you know, when you think about, uh, say, the process or your process to getting entrepreneurs into shape, uh, what is uh, what is like the beginning steps of your protocol to to have them kind of like manage your numbers to to start working out to start dieting? Like, what do you get clients to do up in the the, the beginning stages? Yeah, when when someone first joins, I mean, we we do a I, I say we try to sign up as many people as possible, and just to kind of piggyback a little bit to follow up with what you said, I think coaching will benefit every single person and it will make your life easier. It will give you faster results than anything you've ever tried before. If you're with the right person, if you're with someone like Dan or someone like me, I don't think it's right for everyone at every moment. Because if you think, if you're a person who's listening right now and you're like, no, that's not true, man. I'm just, you know, I just read this book the other day and circadian, <laughs> crack the code on your circadian rhythms, best-selling yeah. New York Times book. Okay, cool. But if, you know, and, and I was there, you know, with business coaching, I didn't hire a business coach for a while, but I ended up saying the same thing that our clients say. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this before? Yes. My life is so much easier. So you can know how to make money, but can you do it sustainably? And the same is true. Um, so you have to be ready to change and you have to be coachable. Yeah. But man, it is, it is the, if there's one secret fast forward, quick results hack, it's hiring a coach for sure. A good one. Let's say that, right? Good one. <laughs> Um, so when I sign up a client after they go through that pre-qualification process, we like to give them a quick win. So we, we put them on, you know, kind of a strict diet up front. It's a modified version of a protein sparing modified fast. Um, I take a little bit of a different approach than I think a lot of other people do. I don't know exactly what you do, Dan. Wait, but wait, Ted. Can you say? Can you explain what a protein sparing modified fast is, please? Yeah. So let's say let's say you're obese and uh, you're like, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do like you know I'm not gonna buy the best selling diet book on New York Times list. I'm gonna go to medical center and have it, you know, have doctors look at this like professionals and you would go to the, let's say you went to the Cleveland clinic, they would put you on a protein spurring modified fast. And what it is basically it's a high protein diet, high protein, low calories. So you keep your, uh, grams of fat around 20, your grams of carbohydrates around 20, and you keep your protein high somewhere, probably around the 800 to a thousand calorie, uh, calorie uh, range. And so that's a protein sparing modified fast. It's the best kept 
secret in it's not even a secret, man. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> marketer, like fitness marketers just don't talk about it. But if you wanted to lose fat quickly, it, that's the best diet. You could probably lose it quicker if you did a liquid diet, like a 600 calorie. When I had Stefan Guianet on, he talked about how they've run trials with diabetics. If you wanted to reverse diabetes, you do a 600 calorie liquid diet and it rapidly reverses diabetes. But let's say you wanted to actually eat food and not struggle with hunger. I mean, I couldn't imagine what 600 calories a day must feel like from liquid. You would do a protein-sparing modified fast. So we do a version of that. It's basically just a a, a low-calorie approach that's high in protein and high in fibrous veggies. And we do that for a couple of reasons. One, we want to give our clients a quick win. Because when someone joins a coaching program, they got that. They're trying, they're trying to figure out, oh man, I just I just did this weird thing. I signed up for let's say they've never worked with a coach before. Obviously, if they've worked with business coaches or performance coaches, it's just another coach. Uh, but I want to give my clients confidence that the result, the program works. It's not me and my my guru aura or whatever, right? Um, it's, it's the program works and I want to give them confidence. So I give them a quick win. The second reason is we use some principles from what they do, the strict approach that we run from maybe three to seven days. We use that when it comes to eating out later, where we teach our clients how to calorie bank. For example, I'm getting lean again, like veins on my abs lean. It's I've, I'm finally at the point where I want to do it again. I'm willing to do the work mm. after, you know, kind of falling off after my dad died in 2020, uh, the end of 2020, I kind of, you know, just kind of ate emotionally for a little while. Yeah. Um, so we're getting lean again. I, I, but I'm single. We talked about that before we started recording. So yeah. I'm going on dates. What do you do? You go out to dinner and dinners, when you eat out, they're going to be higher in calories and, you could, and what most people think is, oh, I got to stay home and eat because I'm losing fat now. So no social life, but the reality is that's not sustainable. So, and, and it's not always sustainable to follow that bullshit advice where, oh, well, you're going to go to the restaurant that has the chef's name on the dessert menu and has the legendary tiramisu, but don't eat that. That's fucking bullshit, man. Have the legendary tiramisu if that's what you want. Right. And so how do you how do you cycle your calories in a way? How do you bank your calories in a way where you can budget something like the legendary tiramisu? Right. Mm-hmm. And so the so so we start off with that jump start uh for those two reasons. And then we slowly progress them and, and people are really comfortable. They're like, yes, this is strict. I love it. The suffering, this feels just like every other thing, but I slowly trans (laughs) exactly. They're like, Oh man, this sucks. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) This is like just beating myself up. This is love love these extreme approaches. Right. And then we start to transition them out slowly. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you're going to have to develop fight now. Now I have your attention. You've lost, our clients lose four to six pounds in the first 10 days, right? Some of that's water, you know that, but it, some of it isn't, and it never comes back up because we transition them into something more normal. We transition them. We, we, we start to teach them flexibility, which is the hardest thing 
right? Everyone thinks doing the strict diet is hard or the 75 hard, right? <laughs> like working out twice a day, following a strict diet, no cheat days. Look, yeah. that's not hard. That's comfortable, Yeah. right? What are you going to do for the next 10 years? That's yeah. the hard part. Figuring that out, being flexible, learning how to be always on the program. I was at dinner and someone was asking me, hey, what do you eat when you're losing fat? Because I had a brownie with ice cream for dessert. I said, this is what I'm eating. I'm getting lean. Yeah. You know, that's remember, the part. <laughs> I remember yeah. I talked to someone about the 75 hard. It was like the second, oh, I forgot how many times he did it. And I asked him this question. <laughs> multiple times. Multiple times. And I asked him this question. I was just like, okay, so what happens after the 75 hard? He's like, Dan, you know what? That's a really good question. And he had zero answer for me. Like zero answers. Like he didn't know what he was going to do after that. It's like, do you still like live your life like by the 75 hard principles? Like what happens with flexibility? What happens if you want to have like a, you know, if you don't want to do two workouts a freaking day, which is like almost like extreme to, to a large extent. Uh, so, Okay. What I'm getting from you, protein sparing, modified fast. Uh, you, you did mention calorie banking, so you're going to have to get an explanation on that. I know what calorie banking is, but not a lot of people would know what calorie banking is. Um, and uh, also transitioning out. So number one, what is exactly is calorie banking? And then how do you transition people out of this, say, like super restrictive diet? Yeah. And so so what calorie? what is calorie banking? Okay. I'll say also set the context yeah. just in case <laughs> I was a strict, I, I, I never really like got into the diet cult and for like for weight loss. Cause I was lean all the time for most of my life, mm. but I was a, a low carber and I was strict and it affected my relationships with other people. I went through a phase where like, and this was back like 1999, 19 or, or 2000, 2001, I would only eat at organic <laughs> restaurants, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, there wasn't even that many of them at the yeah. time. And so I went through all these extreme approaches. And what I learned was I could do it and, you know, really like embrace the, the suffering, mm. embrace the hard thing. And I would always binge. I would just like crack and yeah. overeat or go to the grocery store Whole Foods, oh, it's organic ice cream. That's <laughs> yeah. got to be better. Organic than... cookie dough. <laughs> exactly. Organic cookie dough. Oh, it's so delicious. <laughs> right? And so I was like, man, I'm really extreme. Like, how do I how do I not be a weirdo when it comes to showing up to family dinners? And so, like, the idea of calorie banking, that's where it comes in. Because what the reality about health and the reality of the way it's talked about, let's say in social media, on Twitter, right? It's all about nutrition and nutrition, nutrition. It's like, okay, so what if you're eating the perfect diet, but you know it starts to damage your relationships with your family? Your kids think you're weird because you, you won't eat an Oreo cookie with them, that you won't have a slice of birthday cake, that, mm. you know? I remember one of my clients was, hey, can I have a slice? It's my daughter's birthday. Can I have a <laughs> slice of birthday cake with her? I'm like, God damn it, eat the slice of birthday cake. It's like, That's no. That's not the time. Tell your daughter, <laughs> no, screw that. You know, yeah, it's like, exactly. It's not your birthday, it's mine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? And it's got to be like, you, you have to find that way of 
of embracing all the aspects of health and calorie yeah. banking. What it does is it lets you, uh, we teach our clients, here's how to, how to have a very satiating meal uh, that's very low in calories, usually high in protein. And then you can go out and, and have the pizza or have that. One of my clients sent me a picture. He's super lean. Um, he, he's in Italy right now. And he shared this like white truffle. I mean, it looked amazing. I'm not even sure what it is, but it's pasta. It's got white truffle on top. It looks amazing. That's him being lean and calorie banking. He knows how to do it because, um, I think a good way to put it is it's an alternative to intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows like, Oh, well I'll just not eat breakfast and I'll just like have lunch and dinner and I'll eat what I want for that. Or I'll do OMAD, right? One meal a day and I'll just eat what I want. But you and I both know as coaches, sometimes it works for people, but as the leaner you get in particular, intermittent fasting starts to just cause hunger. And so you're skipping your meal and then overeating later, and then you're not able to stay lean. I was going to say it causes like, even regardless of like how lean you get, I find that it does cause, and a lot of people just expressed binge eating episodes at night, especially at night. Did for me. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, um, I'm right with you, man. It's like, it's like, dude, the writing's on the wall. Stop Mm. arguing with me online. Look at your results, right? It works up to a certain point. But the leaner you get, I think people don't know this too. Like the leaner you get, the less leptin you have. Leptin is a satiety hormone. You have to have different, you have to have a different approach. Because if you're just trying to go without hunger, you're going to have a, trying to, use willpower to deal with the hunger and try intermittent fasting. Again, if it's working for you right now, great. But calorie banking is a way to learn how to eat meals that are low in calorie, again, usually high in protein so that you can save calories for a meal that you really want. Mm-hmm. And, um, and to piggyback on that, to, to follow up on that idea too, I also teach my clients to be more intentional about their meals. I, I've, in my experience, what I've seen, Dan, is that people think it's, oh, I'm going to go out to eat. And so I'm going to have a salad because that, if I have that one meal out, like that's going to ruin everything for me. That's the, Mm -hmm. that's what the reason why I'm overweight. And the reality is people just don't know how many calories they're eating. They have no idea that they're screwing themselves every day, almost every meal, almost every snack. And then that one meal out just puts them over the edge. And so what I tell my clients is like, start tracking. We have our clients track their calories and we say, listen, be intentional. Just like you and I, we make money. We value money. I'm not going to just buy dumb things or things that don't give me an ROI or -hmm. they're not valuable to me. I'm going to spend money on things that I value. Seems simple enough. But a lot of people end up eating a lot of calories, spending their calorie budget is the way I like to talk about it. You spend your budget on things that you don't even care about. Like, for example, you're eating the salad because you think it's healthy and then you find out it's 800 calories. And you have to ask yourself, it's okay if you eat an 800 calorie salad with the like, you know, the five tablespoons of olive oil or whatever is in it, right? 
but is that what you really want? And if it's not what you really want, let's spend your budget on things that you really want. And then another thing that comes to mind is some of our meals, like this morning, I'm busy today. I have this interview with you that I was looking forward to. I had a call with a client before I hit the gym. I'm not trying to get pleasure from my meal, my mm-hmm. breakfast. So I had egg whites and uh, egg whites and and broccoli, right? Very low calorie, high in protein, very satiating. About 500 grams of egg whites and you know uh, a couple cups of of steamed broccoli. So why? That sounds like it sucks. Well, it doesn't suck. I don't hate it. I don't love it either. But now I'm not hungry. I'm able to mm. focus mm. and I've saved up some calories for later. Yeah. And and how much do we kind of like as a society, especially coming from like the West, uh, from America, from uh, pretty much like this is actually apparent in Europe and in almost every single place in the world where mouth pleasure is needed in every single meal that you eat. If it doesn't taste, if it's not tasty, then ah, I don't want to put it in my body. When the reality is, is that what if we actually like switched up our mindsets in regards to uh, the foods that we put into our bodies? What if we looked at it as not entertainment, but looked at it as a way for sustenance to keep us uh, focused, to keep us energetic, to keep us full until the next meal comes? You know, what if we could forego mouth pleasure, at least for maybe like, you know, 50% of the meals that we eat? How exactly would you would you approach your eating from that standpoint? And I think like a lot of times, like some people's lives are just so like disciplined, they're hardworking that uh, they use the the foods that they eat as a way to escape that uh, aspect, their, that aspect of their lives. When you know, what if uh, what if you could actually use your eating to enhance the other aspects of your lives to reduce stress, to make your brain work a little bit better, and uh, to make you a better human being? So, you know, I, I love that philosophy. I love the idea of being intentional with meals. Uh, and, and just in general, I, I kind of like love this approach. It's like quick wins, and then we kind of like transition out. So how long do you do this like protein uh, modified sparing fast? Uh, and then uh, when do you start to transition people to say a flexible approach when it comes to their dieting? Yeah, Again, great question. And because it's coaching, I stay very flexible about it and I let them decide Mm. instead of guruing them and saying, hey, listen, you have to stop after a week or after three days. I let them decide. And then what happens is they take responsibility. They start to learn how to make decisions on their own instead of following a cookie cutter template. And I've had clients, most of my clients, though, just to answer your question more straightforward, stay on it in between a week to a month. The mm-hmm. the people who are leaner, though, I will tell them, like, not more than two weeks. And what would you and consider to, to be, like, leaner, like, uh, from um, a body fat percentage? Let's say men under 20% and women under 25%. Yeah. But if you're a guy over 20%, I try to – here's my approach, Dan. I try to yeah. get lean. I, I try to get people lean as fast as possible Yeah, because that fat loss phase, it's in reality, it's going to be such a short, like you and I know, like, this is the secret, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. like, Oh, got to lose this fat. It's like fat loss is the easy part. My bro, mm-hmm. try keeping it off. Yeah, That's yeah. the hard part. And what we see on the studies that we do have, if you care about, you know, that type of thing, 
everybody once they uh, once they hit that point, they start putting back on the weight. Mm-hmm. And so maintenance is where I like to spend most of the time. I try to get my clients results with their fat loss as fast as possible so we can transition into, okay, how do we maintain this? What are the changes that we need to make in our lives? And um, I'll even say, you know, we, we try to get our clients with problems. Let's say they've been dealing with this for a while. We try to get them to stay with us for a year. Yeah. Because the reality is, like at the beginning of the year, you're going to get great results. Why? Because you get great results no matter what you did. Because it's new year, new you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But then summer comes along, weather gets better, especially if you live in a cold environment. Start to get loose, let loose, <laughs> meet with friends again. Yeah, drinks start, you know, start popping beers, and and then that goes away, and then then uh, the the holidays start. Yeah. The U.S. starts with Halloween in October, then you get hit again with Thanksgiving in November, and then uh, Christmas in December, and then it's New Year, <laughs> Back New at Year it again. all over again. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I, I love this. I love this. Okay, so primarily, uh, what type of uh, training do you do uh, with your clients? Um you know, we can, we can kind of trade notes on this one. Like what, what we do is, uh, actually we don't really have like one specific mode of training cause it depends on like the client, right? So if a client sure. has like a little bit more time to spend, then we would get them on say something like a traditional strength training protocol, uh, something that kind of like keeps them in the gym for about 45 minutes to an hour for a lot of clients, they don't necessarily have that amount of time to spend. So if they have like 30 minutes or even like less than that, uh, we would do a lot of like supersets, uh, you know, tri sets with them. Uh, not really circuit training, but kind of like pairing uh, opposite uh, uh, opposing muscles together and working them all out uh, in a way where they can actually cut time and still get like the strength benefit. Um, and and we kind of like take this a little bit of a hybrid approach. We kind of uh, when it comes to cardio, there are some clients that just love to do cardio, so we're like, okay, just just go do cardio. You know, you can do whatever cardio that you want or do whatever cardio that you like. Uh, for a lot of clients, they're pretty sedentary. They don't like doing cardio. So what we tell them to do is like say 15 to 20 minutes of like walking um, at least like in during the day, maybe doing uh, some at night. But that's kind of like what we do with clients. What about you? What what kind of protocols do you take when it comes to training? Yeah, it's a great question. Like you, we personalize it. So I've, okay. I have a client who works out 10 minutes, five days a week in her office while she's on zoom meetings because she doesn't have to be at an active participant. She just has to be listening. And then I have, um, I've got a client who's training four times a week for about an hour and 15 minutes with weights. And then he does cardio, say 30 minutes, another two or three times a week. Um, but if I'd say that there's an approach, yeah, it, and we have clients who work out at home, clients that work in out in a fully stocked gym. Uh, what we focus on, I, I, if I if I had to say, like, what is there? We focus on the teaching them the principles, of course, right? Taking each set to close to failure, um, you know, progressive overload. Are you mm-hmm. doing? Are you shooting for more reps? And over time, if we look uh, at the data, are you performing? more reps or lifting more weight. And I think those are the two that 
matter the most uh, with with our clients, the type of clients that we get, because they'll I'll see them. There's like using this. They're they they're like almost. I call it being. You're being too good of a student. For the past <laughs> three workouts, we put your rep range at 15 to 20, and you're doing let's say 100 pounds and 20 reps and 20 reps and 20 reps. Yeah. It's like you're hitting that rep range, but you're not adding weight or, or you're not doing more reps. So we really focus on those two things because I feel like those are the things that are going to drive results in the majority of our clients. When it comes to special techniques, um, you know, we use things like uh, what I call double stimulation training. So I'll have clients work out four times a week and there'll be total body routines each time. So one workout A might look like, um, let's say, a six to 10 rep range. And then workout B will say like 15 to 20. And the exercises, we we just choose the exercises based on what they have availability, availability in terms of their availability, what equipment they have access to. Um, but we some other things that we like to do, we like to do cluster sets for those people who are doing um, heavier training or rest pause training. So we use some special techniques, but only after people have established the, their habits, like, are they showing up? Do we have a workout where they're showing up and doing it consistently? Gotcha. And I even, you know, I, I love to talk about, and probably you too, right? We love to geek out about like, what's the thing that we can tweak here that can give yeah. us like 5% more progress. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would say if you're listening right now, your first goal should be to establish a, a consistent routine, regardless of what you or I might say, Dan, is ideal. Yeah, big rocks first, and then you can put all the little pebbles in, but the, the big rocks are consistency, making sure that you're showing up, making sure that you're actually doing some form of like progressive overload. And then afterwards, we can tweak the nuances, we can we can adapt the things, so we can make adjustments. Um, you know, you and I, uh, even for me, like even right now, I'm in this kind of like, season of really optimizing um like form and activating the muscles as they should be activated things like uh it's like going from like an incline press instead of pushing above your eyes it's like pushing above your chest to get the most uh, activation to the clavicle things it, but when it comes to like clients it's like you tell them that shit. They're like, they're not as excited about it as we are, you know? Like, yeah, absolutely <laughs> like, not. They're not, like, they're like not necessarily. Yeah, but that's why we geek out on it. That's why we're doing what we're doing is because we geek out on this shit. Um, okay, so what would you say is your top lessons that you've learned from uh, training entrepreneurs and professionals? Top lessons. Uh, number one is that entrepreneurs have an all or nothing mindset. And that's what's stopping them, at least the ones that are out of shape yeah. or the ones that are in shape right now and feel like what they're doing is unsustainable because their knees hurt. They like, I run three times a week, but my knees hurting my, my show, I bench press and I max out every time and my shoulders hurting. And you can see like, okay, if we, if we looked at this and, and extrapolated from our current data and looked at like how this is going to work out for you in five years, is your shoulder going to hurt more or less? your knee going to hurt more or less. Yeah. And it's, if that looks bad, then you have to say, okay, well, you're not doing a sustainable approach. You're doing two more, you're, you're all or nothing. And you need to learn how to 
dial it back to where this is going to be something that lasts. Because I think what people don't get, this has happened to me many times, and I'm sure you have your stories too. When you get in shape, it becomes part of your identity, and that's what we're looking for. But what happens when you injure yourself? You're like, oh my God, I can't work out. I'm I'm losing my muscle. I'm a loser. So you have (laughs) to think just like you want to prevent disease, you have to prevent injuries too. You got to think long-term. So don't be all or nothing when it comes to your diet or nutrition. Another is stress matters. Um, If you're not sleeping well, if if you're showing signs of burnout, irritable at your employees or your spouse or your kids, you have to learn how to lower your stress. You have to prioritize it. We have to, our brain works in two ways. We've got the focus mode and the diffuse mode, right? The focus mode is the stress zone. It's where we're focused on like solving a problem in our business, putting out the dumpster fire, um, whatever that may be for you. Then we have the diffuse mode, which is the creative mode. If you stay in the focus mode all the time where you're you're like, okay, it's time to relax on vacation. Well, let me just check. Let me just uh, check the emails to make sure. Okay. Any fires I need to put out. If you stay in that all the time, that's going to affect your long-term health. We know that chronic stress like affects your, their, your hippocampus, shrinks yeah. it over time. That's where, that's the part of your brain that's, um, you know, important for learning and memory. Not good especially if you're an entrepreneur and dealing with the, the changes of our modern world. Mm. So dealing with stress is a, a necessity and, and being able to, you know, be disciplined enough to make sure you take care of yourself to do those hard things. And I would even say to, uh, a third lesson would be the things that you think are hard, aren't really the hard things like the hard workouts that you do all the time or working, hundred hours a week. Hopefully nobody's doing that, but you know, I've had clients who do that right in the it's past. Like Elon Musk level right there. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not looking so good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Let's yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll save that conversation for another day. That's, yeah, uh, and, yeah. And not that maybe that's worth it to him, but yeah. it looks like his health is taking a, I, I'm, you know, I'm a fan of Elon yeah. uh, from what I know. I'm not a huge super fan. Don't know that much about him, but it looks like, and just from a superficial glance at some of his social media videos, but he's a person that might be willing to give that because he has a huge vision. If you're on the same level, okay, but you have to ask yourself, is that what you want to do? Is it worth dying for, literally? Mm-hmm. And I've had that client, uh, that conversation with clients before. Um, I had a client who recent, whose husband had a heart attack, and she had a, a bout of AFib while we were working together because she was working these long hours. It's like, are you ready to die for your work? Mm-hmm. You have a family. Are you ready to die for your work? No. Okay. Then what is going on then? Because that's where you're heading. Um, so yeah. And, uh, I think one principle that's really key for entrepreneurs is the skills challenge ratio. It comes from the book, um, flow from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. And the way I look at fitness and health is we want to be in the zone. That's, where we're feeling our best and performing our best with our, in our work, with our kids, with everything, right? Like I'm, I feel like I'm in the zone talking to you right now. Right. So I love doing these. 
But um, if you're experiencing too much anxiety or too much boredom, you're not in the zone. Hmm. And in general, usually entrepreneurs experience more anxiety during the day. And then they come at, back at home and they're like, man, I'm bored after all this stimulation. So you've got to know how to, you got to know when you're in the zone, when you're not in the zone, why are you not in the zone? Are you bored? And that's why you're are, uh, you know, mindlessly eating in front of this Netflix series that you're not even into? Mm. Or is it from anxiety, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. those, I, those are, I have more, but those are, I think, the some of the more important ones. I think one of the biggest things that I got from what you just said is like entrepreneurs, like when, when we talk even about stress, entrepreneurs should know even what the symptoms of stress look like in the first place. And they may see them like, oh, I'm moody. Oh, I'm like uh, short with uh, my employees or with my kids or whatever. Or, oh, I need to, you know, I'm a, I am like to drink alcohol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this kind of stuff. But these are all just symptoms of things that are happening underneath the surface. And it could be symptoms of the stress that you're incurring. It could be the symptoms of uh, the way that you've been taught. It could be symptoms of a lot of things. But there is a cause to all these symptoms. And it's not necessarily to just like attack these symptoms. It's to attack the causes and to be aware of them and then to start to do some healing around them. So coming up to uh, the end of the podcast right here now, I have this thing where I uh, have rapid fire questions. Uh, it's a little bit light. Uh, basically, give an answer one to two uh, sentences as to why you uh, why you believe that in sort in sort of a way. Um, and uh, we're we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it. Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, favorite exercise on the planet. Favorite exercise on the planet. Yeah. Right now, it would have to be maybe ring dips. Okay. Uh, you're really into calisthenics though. Like, uh, from what I've, what, from what I've like, kind of like watched, you're really into calisthenics. Uh, do you do, do you do like part calisthenics, part heavy lifting, or do you do no heavy lifting and just like all calisthenics? Right now I do all calisthenics, pull-ups, ring rows. And it works for me because I'm at that weight where I'm not so heavy where the calisthenics are just impossible or I'm not so light where it's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, this is my 75th pull up, you know? <laughs> so I'm, it's challenging for me. It, I feel like it's less stressful on my joints. I've got a lot of injuries. We didn't really talk about that, yeah. but, um, so, so that's, right now? Oh, I was in jujitsu. I've got a brown belt in jujitsu. I was competitive. I've, yeah. uh, had my knee hyperextended, uh, elbows, hyperextended neck cranked, you know? Um, and, yeah, I was never a world champion, but I did compete. I won more tournaments than I lost. So I deal with a lot of the injuries uh, that I sustained. Yeah. Uh, like the jiu-jitsu one is, is, is such a passion for me, but then it's the injuries that I'm just like, ah, like when you get back to it, I'm just like, ah, I just don't want to get injured. You know, I mean, like that is the thing, but it depends on how you train. If you're competitive, if you're going after like tournaments and stuff, then that's a totally completely you different. You will get injured. Yeah, and it's not sure. sustainable. But yeah. yeah. Okay. What are your uh, current fitness goals right now? Current fitness goals: get down to ten percent body fat, or you know, that veins on abs, lean. Yeah. Um, and also to build muscle, so to get back into that shape I was in in twenty twenty, right, right 
around where my my dad ended up getting sick and you know unfortunately later passed away but like i was in great shape and i want to get back to that so that's uh that's my goal pre people said i look like the white bruce lee so bruce <laughs> lee was the only guy who i had a poster of hanging up in my nice. uh, room when i was in high school so i took that as a big compliment Dude, that's amazing. Um, I'm trying to look like the Chinese version of Bruce Lee. <laughs> Although there was already a Chinese version. Uh, you know, that's nice. super dope. And actually, like when I started the fitness stuff, I was like, I just want to be like the Bruce Lee of the fitness industry. Not necessarily going for that still, but it was like one of the things that came up in my mind when I was like first starting out. Um, okay, uh, I know this is actually a little bit deeper than a rapid fire question. Um, you have been through a lot of... Uh, a lot of strife in your life. You've been through a lot of death. What exactly has death taught you about life? That we all have one life. We don't know when it's going to end. We don't know when the people who we care about, when their time is up. And it taught me that You've got to really go for it. You have one chance to do whatever it is you came here to do. And when I watched my father die in particular, because I was with him till the, the very end, I saw a man who I love my dad and I don't, no need to go into the full drama, but yeah. I saw how many regrets he had. And it was scary to watch him pass that way. And to, to be honest, it was scary for a personal, like, man, I don't want to end up like that right? I want to learn from his mistakes. I don't want to make my own. Hmm. And, uh, and I know that's what he would want too. So if you're, I think we get lost in the, like, oh, I got to do this. Oh man, someone said something yeah. not nice to me on social media. It's like, yeah. man, what really matters here and stay focused on that. And we'll all get unfocused. We'll all get distracted. That's the nature of the world yeah. we live in. But Find your focus again. And whatever you're afraid of doing, go do that thing. Hmm. As long as it's not like the wingsuit and like seeing how close you can fly to the mountains yeah. just as because long, you need to get high on adrenaline. As long as it doesn't like hurt other people either, you know, like, <laughs> like okay, do you mind if I ask you, um, and you can, you, you can answer this or not, um, what, what exactly were your dad's biggest regrets? Yeah, uh, he he w wished he had done some things differently in his, he, in his relationship with my mm. stepmother. Mm. Um, they got lost a little bit in drinking too much and working too much. And he regretted that. And he told me that, and, um, he spent a lot of time very upset about politics mm. and the last week of his life, all he was watching was so interesting because he, you know, you, you, and I enjoyed talking to my dad about politics. I, he was one of the few people I felt like could I uh, have a good discussion with and, uh, you know, but, but he was really upset about this state of things, uh, politics in particular in the United States. But that last week of his life, all he watched was baseball. <laughs> he was in the hospital and he was watching baseball. And I was like, I, and he had a smile on his face watching it. And it was just like, it brought him back the good memories. You could see, you could see like, 
or at least what he didn't tell me, but I could see like, oh, now he wants to remember the good things, the good things in life. He did not care about politics at all. Mm. Never even mentioned it again that last week. And it taught me like, really stay focused. Don't get lost in distractions, even if it seems really important. Yeah. So that that's what he that's what he re- regretted. Also, but by the time I was really hard on him, like, "Hey, Dad, you gotta," I pushy about mm-hmm. getting in shape, and he was um, he was uh, resistant to it. But at the end, when he was ready to do something, it was too late. Yeah. So we all run out of time. We all think like we we can get in shape. Oh, I can change. I can get in shape later. But it will get to a point where you that ship is sailed, and you will no longer have that ability. Ted, thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate the the transparency, and um, I just appreciate you sharing that in general. And for anyone listening to this, if you're listening to this right now you have the chance to change your life. You have the chance to get your body in shape. You don't want to get it to the point or past the point of no return. And you don't want to wait until that happens. So I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I hope it it hit whoever's listening to this right now to, to fucking do something about your health and your body. All right. So that, that took a, that took a, that was a rapid fire question, but it took a, very emotional turn. Um, so what does living a legendary life look like to you? Um, it means always focused on growth, not necessarily, not in, in a healthy way, but how do I, cause as we get older, we change, we can't be the toughest guy or lift the most weight but how do you add value to other people? Like how do you continue to grow so that you're contributing? Like you're okay. So I can't outlift you, but I have this to offer. Hmm. So always be focused on, on growing and, and evolving and also looking at contribution. What's the contribution you want to make either to your own family or to society, whatever level you want to play the game at. But what legacy are you leaving behind? And uh, when it's all said and done, what is uh, the legacy that you want uh, yours to be by the time you're all said and done right here? I really want to, like, the reality is most people, what will I be remembered or will you be remembered 100 years (laughs) from now and certainly (laughs) 1,000 years from now? Probably not. But um, I want to look back and say, you know what, I did my best. And I helped a lot of people. And let's say that at my funeral, people are throwing a big party and remembering me as someone who made a very positive impact in in people's lives. 100%. Uh, With that being said, uh, first of all, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Really appreciate your time. Uh, I appreciate our friendship. Uh, You know, we've, uh, we definitely just, we're kind of like uh, two peas uh, in the same pod where we kind of like rap about the same things and, uh, and help the same people as well. And, uh, and I do appreciate the, the relationship that we have. So if anyone wanted to uh, get in touch with you, first of all, he, you know, Ted actually has the legendary life podcast. 
super dope podcast. Uh, I've been listening to it for for a bit of time, and even though I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm still learning as well. I'm I'm getting a lot of tidbits uh, even from that podcast and from you. Uh, but where else uh, would you want people to uh, access you? Yeah, uh, of course the podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. And uh, the other place would be if you want to learn more about some of the things I shared today and, and in a more presentation style versus conversational style manner, go to legendarylifeprogram.com slash free and watch my masterclass where I, where I take you through the five steps that we use with our clients to make sustainable change fat loss build muscle and do it without killing yourself in the gym or you know strict dieting like we talked about today beautiful beautiful thank you so much ted i appreciate your time brother i appreciate you dan thanks so much for the opportunity Thank you again for listening to The Dan Go Show. We have some amazing episodes coming your way, so make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. If you're already subscribed and today's episode hit home for you, please share this episode with someone that you know who'd benefit from listening. Take care and see you every week on your favorite podcasting app.